Anyways, uh, Pastor Matt uh, sends his greetings, and uh, uh, would, uh, I would appreciate it, as uh, would our leadership, if you would pray for Pastor Matt and his family uh, during this time, um, uh, because he has been stricken by uh, something that uh, uh, kept him home from us today. So it's my good fortune to be able to bring you the word today, and uh, I'm brushing up an old message that uh, I gave a couple of years ago at a local church, and um, so I'm going to go ahead and begin, and uh, if I could uh, begin with a word of prayer, uh, let's bow together to do that. Father in heaven, we thank you for your word, and we thank you for your people. We thank you for this church, and we ask that your Holy Spirit would speak uh, to hearts and minds this morning uh, in a way that uh, was unexpected in a way that is new and fresh, so that as we turn the page to the year of 2018, that we would be well prepared for the work that you prepared in advance for us. We ask and pray this in Jesus' name, amen. So as I uh, thought this morning about uh, what I would like to um, offer to you today, um, I was drawn to a well-known Latin phrase uh, known as ex nihilo. Now, raise your hand if you've heard of ex nihilo. So maybe about a half dozen of you. It's a Latin phrase that actually means out of nothing. Now, theologians got a hold of this phrase, and they attached one word to it entitled creation ex nihilo. So as you might surmise, creation ex nihilo means that something was created out of nothing. And if you look at the book of Genesis and chapter 1, verse 1, you will see that God created the heavens and the earth. And in verse 2, it says that the earth was formless and void. So there was nothing there when God created the heavens and the earth. There was nothing there when God created you and me. There was nothing there when God created the animals and everything that we inter interact with on a daily basis. I think this is why children, for instance, love to play with the things of nature and they create something out of nothing. Our kids went outside yesterday and played with the snow and they tried to make a snowman, they tried to make a snow hill, and they tried to create something out of nothing. I also think this is the reason when kids are on a beach, they try to create a sand castle out of substance that is there to create something out of nothing. And it's my belief, and I suppose it might be yours too, that God has endowed humans with a desire to create something from nothing because that is his very nature. This is the way in which he works in your life. This is the way he works in my life. And he looks down at you, and he looks down at me, and he says that I want to create something out of their lives. I want to make something regardless uh, of the situation they come from, regardless of the family uh, that you might come from, regardless of how much you've messed up your life, God chooses to make something out of nothing. This last month, Pastor Matt has talked about the star and how the star pointed to Jesus and how Jesus was born in the most unlikely place in a manger to a virgin mother. God created and conceived something out of nothing. He came from heaven to earth and did a supernatural thing by conceiving a virgin mother. So when God decides to do something, 
he holds himself responsible from start to finish to complete the job. So you might be sitting there thinking this morning, you know, 2017 was an interesting year. There were some good things. There were some bad things. Uh, there were some, th some things that were just kind of neutral, kind of in between. Uh, my life wasn't really exciting. And so as you anticipate 2018, you think, I would hope that 2018 would bring some positive good stuff in my life, but I just don't know what to do. What I'd like to talk about this morning is three basic ways in which God does things in your life, how he does things in my life, and how he's been doing things throughout creation uh, for, for, for the entirety of time, throughout the history of time. And so the three main things I want to talk about are these. It's that God starts, God continues, and God finishes. Now, if you have your Bibles, we're going to be jumping around to a few different verses today. The first verse that we're going to look at is John 6, 40, John 6, uh, 44. So I'll give you just a minute to get there since um, I kind of conjured up this message about an hour and a half ago. We might not have these verses behind me, so I'll let you get there and I'll read you the verse as soon as uh, I feel like everybody has had a chance to uh, get to that place in their Bible. Wow, check that out. Very cool. Greg Terhune, nice job. So you can see behind me, John 6, says, No one comes to the Father unless the Father draws him first. God starts things with you. God starts things with me. So if we're talking about a relationship with God, God initiates that relationship from the start. In the same way that he created the heavens and the earth, in the same way that the earth was formless and void before anything was in it, God initiates and starts a supernatural relationship with you and me. That's what John 6, 44 says. This is coming from Jesus. He says, no one comes to God on his own unless the Father draws that person to himself. So think about this for a minute. Think about your own story. Some of you have come to Christ because of the influence that your parents had on you. And this wasn't anything that you did on your own. You were just born into a family with the good fortune of having a mom and a dad who cared enough to foster faith in you, to plant seeds of faith in you, to teach God's words to you, to teach you how to pray, to teach you how to live. And if that was your way of being raised as a child, you should be grateful because that's God's way of reaching out and initiating a relationship with you. For my life, you know, I was 18 years old. I was a snot-nosed punk in Northwest Ohio, and I was working for a place called Tiny's Dairy Barn. Uh, you probably have never heard of it. It's a sandwich and shake place. I was the stock boy. I was the lowest man on the totem pole, and the owner's son decided to reach out to me I think he probably felt sorry for me. He probably looked at the stock boy and thought, this guy has no idea what he's doing. I need to give him a hand. His name was uh, Louis, Louis Weber, not Louis Scalzo. I know you have a Louis that's very near and dear to this church. Um, Louis was about 10 years older than me. He was a professor at Kentucky Christian University, and he'd come home during the summers, and he would help me stock the fries and the burgers and the cups and the ice cream. And he'd build a relationship with me. 
And he showed me that I can have a personal relationship with God. He showed me that God wanted to be real with me. And there was nothing that I had to offer uh, to this man who was a professor and who was uh, uh, advanced in his career. He was a well-known speaker throughout the entire country. He just reached out to this, you know, 15-year-old, uh, you know, uh, uh, clueless individual and started to care for me. And it was through that person that God begin, uh, began to plant seeds in my life. And I'm sure as I tell that story to you, you can think of somebody in your life that planted seeds uh, in you. It may have been your parents. It may have been a friend. It may have been a youth pastor. You know, it may have been an aunt. It may have been a grandmother. God uses many different types of people to initiate his relationship with you. He starts um, his relationship with you. It's something that he initiates. Ephesians 2, 8, and 9 says, For it is by grace that you have been saved, and this is not from yourself. So it's the grace nature of God that gets to you. It's this grace that you realize that you need. It's this grace that enables you uh, to continue on uh, in your life the way that God wants you to. So, um, I'd like to transition to our second point. So, God starts a relationship with you. The next uh, point is that he continues the relationship. Not only does he start it, he continues it. Colossians 2.6, is that behind me here? Greg's going to have it up here in just a minute. It says in Colossians 2.6, just as you received Christ, continue in him. Just as you received Christ, continue in him. So let's back up and just talk a little bit about what we just mentioned. We talked about the fact that we receive Christ based on the fact that he initiates a relationship with us. This isn't anything that we do on our own. This is something that he starts. It's something that he begins. No one can come to God unless God initiates that relationship first. And so as you continue on in your relationship with him, Paul is telling us here, in Colossians 2, 6, that in the same way that you received him, you did nothing to, to, to earn a relationship with God. You did nothing to earn your forgiveness from God. You did nothing to warrant him reaching out to you and to have parents who loved you, grandparents who planted seeds of faith in you, neighbors who reached out to you. There was nothing that you did, there was nothing that I did to make people care enough to plant seeds of faith within us. So what Paul is saying here in Colossians 2.6, in the same way that this happened, continue to walk in your faith in that same way. Basically what he's saying is that in the same way that it was impossible for you to save yourself, it's equally impossible for you to sanctify yourself. Now, sanctify is a fancy church term, which basically means uh, it's impossible for you to follow God in your own strength. That's basically what it means. It's impossible for you to fix yourself. Maybe that's another way of saying it. It's impossible for you to do what God has planned for you in your life. 
Now, I don't know about you, but there are times in my life where I like to think that by my own cleverness, by my own conclusions, by my own human ingenuity, and by my own effort, that I can actually do what God has for me. But what I have realized in the 25 years of trying to live this Christian life is that it's absolutely impossible for me to do so. Can anybody resonate with the fact that it's impossible for you as well to live your Christian life the way God wants you to live it? I would say that if you're really honest, every person in this room would raise their hands. Now, it's easy to act, isn't it, to act like we're living a Christian life, but it's impossible for you to do what God really has planned for you in your life. And you might be sitting out there thinking, I know that there are things that God has for me, but it's just too hard. And I just want to say to you, of course it is. It's supposed to be. And some of those impossible things may be very practical. It may be something like uh, letting go of anger that you have towards a family member. Uh, for some of you, it might be letting go of bitterness that you might have towards uh, your spouse. For some of you, it might just be um, just totally stopping to talk about people behind their back. For others of you, it might be stepping up into a leadership role that you feel like God has for you. For others of you, it might just be having a very open and honest conversation with someone that you know you need to talk to, but you just think, I just couldn't do it. It's impossible for me to do that. But most, if not all, of the things that God has for us are impossible. That's why Paul says in Colossians 2.6, in the same way that you received Christ, continue to walk in him. Now, the interesting thing about starting our relationship with God, this has been my experience, and as I read the pages of Scripture, I also see it uh, pervasive throughout the Bible. What I have noticed, and maybe you have too, is that after we start something with God, it's very easy to kind of veer off course. We see this from the beginning of time. In Genesis chapter 3, God told mankind, you can eat from any tree in the garden except one tree, and you know what they did. They ate from that one tree that they weren't supposed to. And ever since then, mankind has been veering off course. I think of the example of Peter. After he had followed Jesus for many years, um, he denied him three times. I also um, think of Jesus, who was in the desert right after he had been baptized. And in Luke chapter 4, it says the Holy Spirit led him into the desert. And not long after, you know that the devil came and tempted Jesus at the point of his strength. And the devil tried to get Jesus to veer off course. And so you might be sitting out there thinking, I have veered off course, and it's going to be impossible for me to get back on course. And so the comforting thing about the Apostle Paul's words in Colossians 2.6 is that it doesn't have to be something that you do in your own strength. The only thing you have to do is decide to get back on the plan 
that God has for you. Because each of these stories that I mentioned, there are many more throughout the pages of Scripture. God got these people back on course. And he can get you back on course as well. Jeremiah 29, 11 says, The Lord says, For I know the plans I have for you, a plan to prosper you and give you a future. So as you imagine 2018, and you think about the things that God may have for you as we sort of turn the page into a new year, might you approach it and might you think about it um, from this perspective? about the fact that God has a plan for your life and that you can get back on the plan um, if you allow him to do what only he can do for you. I liken this to uh, the story in 2 Chronicles 20. I've shared this before, I think, on Sunday morning where King Jehoshaphat is facing three vast armies and there is no absolute way that God's people are going to actually win this battle and King Jehoshaphat comes to God and says, I don't know what to do, but my eyes are upon you. And not long after that, God brings a prophet and tells Jehoshaphat, I have a plan, and if you follow this plan, you'll be victorious. And God tells him, the plan is, I want you to send worshipers onto the battlefield, and then just let me, let me handle everything else. And not long after that, the three vast armies that were coming against God's people um, actually attacked one another, and God's people were victorious, and they divided up the spoils. And, and this is where we get the scripture that the battle is not ours, but it's God's. And so you might be facing a battle. You might be facing what might be perceived as an insurmountable task to accomplish but in the same way that you were saved supernaturally by God, might you also continue in your faith in a supernatural way and allow him to lead you through things that might be perceived as impossible. So not only does God start his relationship with you out of nothing, not only does God continue in his relationship with you, the great thing about God is that he finishes it. And once again, you might be sitting out there thinking, you know, I've blown it. I've made too many mistakes. There's no hope for me. But let me read to you Hebrews 12, 2. I'm going to read you part of the verse, and I think it's going to be up here behind me. It says, let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. And so right here, the writer of Hebrews is using a running analogy, as you might imagine, and states that we should focus on the object of our faith because he was the one who told us to get into this race in the first, in the first place, wasn't he? He was the one who said, hey, I want you to get into this, into this race, and I want you to run it, and I want you to focus on the finish line. I have a plan for you. I have a track for you, and if you get on this track and you follow me and you focus on me, you're going to be successful. The track might be long, it might be challenging, it's uncertain, it's unpredictable, and when it gets this way, you might feel like throwing in the towel and giving up, but the truth is, 
God still has a plan. He has a reason for you being on this track. Ephesians 2.10 says that we are God's workmanship and that he has created work in advance for us to do. And I suppose someone has shared in this venue maybe a time or two before about this word workmanship. Perhaps I have. Perhaps Pastor Matt has. The word workmanship, as you might know in the Greek, is poema. And poema is the Greek word for the English word poetry. So another way of saying this is to say that we are God's poetry. Maybe another way of saying is that we are God's story. And that God has created a story of our lives that he wants for us to display and share with others. So I'm going to close here in just a minute, and I want to um, offer some, some, some closing remarks here about this idea. You know, as we approach the new year, the new year is about many, many things. And for some, you know, it's about looking forward to new opportunities. Um, it's about looking forward to setting new goals new resolutions, maybe. I was thinking about some things that I might want to do. Um, I like to work out. And uh, one thing that I don't do quite often is that um, I don't do cardiovascular activity too often. So that was a resolution I made for 2018. But for others of you, it might mean turning the page into kind of a a new thing that God wants to do in your life. And so as I shared with you this morning about the fact that he, he likes to start things, that he likes to continue things, maybe you were thinking about something that maybe God has been wanting to do in your life for quite some time. And uh, I'm going to ask for us to close our eyes right now. And I'm going to ask for, for anyone, maybe it's several of you, who might sense that God has something for you that he wants you to do. And if that's you, as a matter of faith, I'd like for you to just kind of raise your hand. If there's something that you feel like God wants to do new in you, He wants to turn the page and write a new chapter for your life. I'm going to pray for those of you that have raised your hand. God bless you. You can put your hands down. The Bible says, speaking of God, God says in the Bible that I am always doing a new thing. And he also says that the old is gone and the new has come. And so for those of you that have raised your hand, I'm going to bless you with that thought in mind and pray for you that as we approach this new year, that we would do so with God's plan in mind. Let's pray. Father in heaven, I thank you for the new opportunity that you give to us to live a new life. 
the notion of being born again <coughs> implies the idea that we've lived a certain way for, for so long, but um, when we enter into a relationship, um, we, can, we can be born all over again. We can have a new existence. We can have a new heart. We can have a new mind. We can have new mercies. We can have new grace. And I pray, God, that for those of, among us who have raised their hands this morning, I pray, God, that you would um, give them an extra measure of your grace today. Allow them to know that you have a plan for their lives. Allow them to know that their journey is not over and that their story continues and that there's another chapter that you have for them. And I pray that you would make it clear in their hearts what that next chapter is going to be all about and help them to pursue that next chapter with zeal and passion and fervency. And I pray that they would lean on you to get there. I also pray for the rest of the congregation some didn't raise their hand, but they felt in their heart and mind that something new needs to come. Maybe because something old needs to go away. Again, it could be anger, unforgiveness. could be a certain way of looking at, at lost people. Maybe it's a certain way of looking at family. Maybe it's a certain way of looking at friends. Maybe it's a certain way of just looking at the world. There could be a lot of different things that you are trying to do that's new in our lives. I pray for those who did raise their hand, who sense your spirit tugging at their heart this morning to do something new. And I pray, God, that you would continue to finish what you have started in the hearts of those who have that thought this morning. We thank you for Jesus. We thank you for his presence being with us this morning. And we ask that his presence would go with us as we leave today. We ask and pray this in his most precious name. Amen.